morning to everybody. It's great to see all of you again. And wasn't that awesome with our uh, preteens or youth, as they call uh, middle schoolers? Uh, they had a tremendous time. It took them a week to recover. You know, we always like to have them come right after camp, but they, they were they were useless last week. <laughs> after a week of all those things. But, you know, what what an awesome opportunity. I think some of us need youth camp. Just to get away from it all, the media, the phone, the TV, uh, the computers, and just go up in the mountain and be with God. And worship, hear lessons, fellowship, run around together, throw water balloons at each other. Wouldn't that be awesome? Maybe that's what heaven's going to be like, like youth camp. You know, uh, next week, uh, team camp's coming up. Hope you guys are fired up in the team ministry. And I know this weekend also is going to be the ICMC for the college students, uh, Estes Park, Colorado. Wow, that's up on the mountain. Uh, and I know you guys are excited. Also, the singles ministry, they're having their Elevate. Okay, I know you guys are excited. really want to encourage you. Make the most of that opportunity. Uh, but, you know, today is just a plain old regular Sunday. You know, that we get to hear, you know, a a media message about God's Word, right? No, absolutely not. Wrong, wrong. You know, today we get the privilege, we're excited, we get to learn more about freedom through forgiveness. And that's a series we uh, have been doing last week, this week, and I had some conversations with some people last week. They said, I can't remember the last time we had a message or a series on forgiveness. And I'm going, hmm, last year about this time. <laughs> but the reason why people say that is because it's such a tremendous need in their lives. And if we want to zero in on something as a church is forgiveness. Because it's one of God's greatest qualities. It's one of our biggest needs. If you're visiting here with us today, uh, we're really glad you're here. And we want you to feel uh, in, in our house, in your house, and to feel at home. And get to know some of the people that are in our church, among our church, because uh, we're not perfect. We're just forgiven. And we've been, we've been blessed. We've been given so much. And we want you to have what we have. So we're going to start our lesson today, Finding Freedom Through Forgiveness. This is uh, the time of the year when we celebrate our independence. July 4th, it begins. You know, and I hope that we take advantage of the independence that God has given us. And that we learn from that. But I want to begin with a story. You guys ever heard about the, the forgiven parrot? How many of you heard about the forgiven parrot? This woman bought a parrot. It was already trained, grown up. She bought it from this guy who trained the parrot. And it was really a bad parrot. Couldn't say anything positive. You know how parrots talk? Couldn't say anything good. Would, would, the woman would pick up the parrot and the parrot would bite her arm. And say really negative things, even, you know, some really grotesque things about her. Just would insult her. You know, she she said, well, maybe, you know, if I love the parrot, the parrot will change and the parrot will be different. And day after day, gnawing on her arm, she had scars all up and down her arm because of this nasty, ugly, mean parrot. So one day she's in the kitchen and she picks up the parrot and the parrot goes off once again. And she, she just gets fed up. She says, I'm, I'm, I'm done. She opens a freezer and throws the parrot in the freezer and closes the door. And for a few seconds, the parrot's still going at it. You know, you're this and you're this and you're ugly and you, this is typical of what you would do, etc., etc. And then after a few seconds, all quiet. And so the woman goes, I think I killed the parrot. So she's scared. So she opens a freezer and pulls the parrot out. And the parrot looks at her and says, I'm really sorry. I've been a bad parrot. Will you forgive me? She says, all right, I I forgive you. We can start fresh. Thank you. Thank you so much for forgiveness. So a couple minutes go by and, you know, it's kind of quiet, you know, real quiet. And the parrot goes, can I ask you a question? I'm sorry. Can I ask you a question? Yeah, go, go, go ahead. 
what did that chicken in the freezer do? All of us, even animals, need forgiveness, right? We all need forgiveness. But we're going to begin our lesson today. You know, the Bible speaks. And, and here at the Lighthouse Church of Christ, we believe very firmly in the Bible. We believe in it. We want to live by it. It's our guide. It's our source for teaching. It's our source for understanding how to live our lives. The Bible speaks. Do you know that the Bible speaks? If you open it, it speaks. The Bible talks about history, science, romance, prophecy. But there are primary messages in the Bible. And I've talked about this before in, in, in past messages. There are primary messages in the Bible. Three in particular. One of them is redemption. In other words, forgiveness. One of the primary focuses and teachings of the Bible. Number two is righteousness. The Bible talks a lot about righteousness. And then number three, relationships. These are the prime focuses of the Scriptures, the whole Bible. If you want to sum it up in three things, three main focuses, it's these three things that the Bible talks about, that God wants to communicate to us. Redemption, and it all begins with redemption. Righteousness, in other words, limits. Order, boundaries, there has to be some kind of limit. There has to be some kind of order in how things are done. You can't have just these wide open relationships. There are things that hurt people in relationships. So you have to know what those are. That's righteousness, limits, boundaries, guidelines. Some people call them rules. But they're there for our protection. And then relationships, one of God's most important and highly valued things is relationships. And you know what He wants to do with these three? God wants to redeem us into a right relationship with Him. And it all starts with redemption. It's huge in our lives. Redemption. We need it. And we talked about this last week. So many people suffer and have so much So many problems, so many internal issues, health issues, emotional issues, mental issues, because they don't understand forgiveness and they don't have forgiveness. And therefore, they don't give forgiveness. Forgiveness is central to Scripture. And we're going to look at three areas today as we learn about freedom through forgiveness. Number one is the need that we have for forgiveness. You know, this week was rare for me. I did two funerals. And as I did these funerals for people, it all sums up down to one thing. Were you forgiven in your lifetime? You know, all of us bring things to the table, things that we've done, things that we're ashamed of, things that we have caused pain and people have caused with us. It all comes down to one thing. Have you been forgiven of your sins? Are you forgiven? That was what it broke down for me this week. Very sobering to be in and do two funerals. And then number two is the need to give it freely. In other words, give forgiveness freely to other people. How are you doing in that area? Are you a forgiving person? Without training, without understanding, it's not normal for us. It's not a gift for us as human beings to forgive people. Even from a young age, when we get hurt, it's hard for us to naturally forgive. And we carry it all the way through the rest of our lives. But the Bible teaches, it's central to Scripture, the need for forgiveness. Getting it from God, giving it freely to others. And then number three, forgiving yourself. You know how many people are tormented in their lives? Because they have not experienced forgiveness. They don't have it, and they don't feel it. They don't forgive themselves. God may extend forgiveness to them, but they don't let it go, and they're not forgiven in their own mind. These three major needs that we have in our lives, and there are tremendous consequences for not having these three areas of forgiveness in our lives. 26 years in the church, 24 years in the ministry. And let me tell you, in my experience, this is one of the big ones that we deal with in church 
life. And as I see it out there with people that come into the church, it is what they need and need to understand. And I must confess that today, as a church, in our past, in our history, I wouldn't say that we have had a real good understanding, a real good base on forgiveness. And so we need this today. And I'm sure, I'm confident, if you're visiting here with us, you need this. If you're, if you're married and, and, and you're trying to navigate your relationship and build it and make it what it needs to be, if you have kids, it is so big. Forgiveness. So let's begin with a word of prayer. Pray with me. Our Father God in heaven, we're thankful today that we can come in your name. We pray that your word will fall on fertile ground. Open our hearts and our minds and help us to understand your heart with regard to forgiveness. We love you, God. We need you. Bless our time now and fill us with your spirit. Move our hearts. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hosea chapter 4, verse 6. Look at what the Bible says here. It says, My people are destroyed from a lack of knowledge. What we don't know can kill us. Do you know that in the 1600s during the Great Plague of Europe, hundreds of thousands of people died? And in that whole process... There were some grave mistakes that people made. You know, they killed all the animals, in particular London. They killed the cats and the dogs because they thought the plague was coming from these animals. They killed them all. They burned them. But when they realized later that those are the animals that they needed to take care and kill the rats. Another terrible mistake was they, they stopped bathing. Because they, they figured if you bathe, that's what's promoting and that's what's causing all this sickness. I mean, on a weekly basis in London, thousands of people, they had, they had bodies stacked up. Two or three stories. It was terrible. And they stopped bathing because they, they thought that if they, people are bathing, that's what's causing it. The very thing that they needed to do, as we know now what stops the flu, washing your hands. The very thing that could have saved so many lives, they stopped doing it. Why? A lack of understanding. Couldn't be truer in the area of forgiveness. People are destroying their lives, their families, their relationships because they don't understand Forgiveness, even in the church, I am convinced a place that should be a place of forgiveness, a place of love, a place of of moving forward, of helping each other. There's a lot of pain and people are dying on the inside and on the outside because they don't understand. The first thing we're looking at is a need to receive it from God. Where do you receive forgiveness? How do you receive forgiveness from God? And we're going to go through this. If you want to know more about this, you can ask the person who invited you to come uh, today. They'll study the Bible with you. Or they can, they can find someone to study the Bible with you. But these are the, some of the studies that we do. The biblical principles on how to get right with God. How to get your sins forgiven. Look what the Apostle said. And this is the history of the Church of Christ in its beginning Stages. Chapter 4, verse 12. Look at what the apostles said here. They said, in the, It is by this name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God has raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. He is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the capstone, the most important stone. And look what it says. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. You know, if you believe the Bible, you've got to take it in its entirety or reject it in its entirety. You can't pick and choose what you like and what you don't like. This is an exclusive, this is a very narrow focus. There is salvation in no one else except Jesus. That's the biblical teaching. 
And you know, there's a lot of random teaching out there about how to get redeemed, how to get forgiven. You can do this. You can say this prayer. You can walk around. You can do penance. You can serve the poor and help the needy. And that will balance everything out. A lot of ideas. The Bible breaks it down very simply. Only in Jesus, through a relationship with Him and through believing in Him, can you find redemption or forgiveness. That's what the Bible teaches. And that's what they taught. It created quite a stir, but it's creating quite a stir today. People don't like this message because they want, they want options. Listen, the Bible teaches there's one option. And that's through Jesus. It's not my interpretation. It's not what I believe. It's what it says. Read it for yourself. Get to know what the Scriptures teach. Acts chapter 2, a little earlier than that verse in Acts chapter 2, this is in context, one of the few times that we hear one of the apostles speaking to a group of people that were not saved, not under the covenant of Jesus. And a lot of people throw, you know, Scriptures around, but you need to know who's talking to who. What's the audience? Who's the, who's the speaker speaking to? And this is perfect in context of how to be saved. Peter talking to a crowd of thousands. Look at what he says. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you've crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Big question. Peter replied, Repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. For the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is the teaching on how to get your sins forgiven. This is how it started. It still holds true today. But i got to be honest with you. There are a lot of random teachings out there. That you got to go to a minister and he's got to place his hand on your head and forgive you. Or you got to get baptized as a baby. All these different kinds of teachings, and you've always got to go back to the Scriptures. You can't base your belief system on what people say and what a creed says or what a tradition says. You've always got to go back to the Scriptures. This is what the Bible teaches. You can't argue with it. And many people that have gone depth in depth and said, you know, what if I were on an island and all I had was this? What would it teach me about getting saved? There it is. And this is, how, this is how you break it down. And this is the plan for forgiveness for all men and women. It's gender friendly. Isn't that, isn't that awesome? First, you have to hear the message. You have to hear the message of Christ, the Gospel of Christ. And then you have to believe. Believes means not just intellectually you believe it in your heart. That's what they did in that last passage. They were cut to the heart. They, they accepted the fact that their life, their sins, put Jesus on the cross. They crucified Him. That's what they accepted. They weren't even in town when it happened. You've got to be, hear, believe, and then obey. Meaning, you're willing to live according to what the Scriptures teach. And then, part of obedience is repentance. Meaning, the, the change. There has to be a change. You cannot continue to live the way you've been living. When the grace of God reaches your heart, you decide, I'm not going to be the same person I was. I'm going to be different. Not perfect, but I'm going to strive with everything I have to be the person that God wants me to be. And then you've got to confess. Confession is, and it's scientifically proven, it is something that heals an individual. When you confess... Why do we need science to confirm what the Bible already says? But just so for the for the for the doubters in the room, you know, science and and, and people are coming to, to to understand this. This book knows what it's talking about. The Bible knows what it's talking about. And then last, be baptized into Christ. What is baptism? Baptism is an immersion all the way underwater. We had a few of those uh, this past Wednesday. Uh, like to like to introduce. Uh, Two of our new brothers and sisters, Javier and Debbie, they were baptized on Wednesday night. You know, they had a lot of needs in their lives, but they followed God's plan, and now they're completely forgiven. 
of everything they've ever done. Isn't that awesome? So this is the plan. This is the teaching from the Bible. And here's, I don't, I don't know if you can make this out, but it's basically a reenactment of Jesus and what He went through. We get to participate in Jesus. Our sins go up on the cross with Him. And in our confession, our belief, our repentance, our confessing that He is Jesus is Lord, when we go under the water, our sins, our old life goes under into the tomb with Jesus. And then when we come up out of the water, we are resurrected to a new life. The Bible describes this perfectly in Romans 6, 3, and 4. You can make a note of it. Go look at it. Paul's recounting. So let's move forward. Before uh, we, we're going to look at some passages, part two is extending forgiveness to each other and receiving it from God. We're going to watch a modern day parable found in Luke chapter 7, verse 40 through 50. This is a video of, you know, 21st century parable, just like it's told in the Bible, but so we can relate and understand. So let's watch it together. Luke 7, verse 40 through 50. Gentlemen, I'm sure you have things you need to do, so I'll be brief. This bank has been owned and run by my family for 78 years now. There aren't many banks like us left, you know? But part of the reason that we haven't sold out is that we like being able to run this place like we think a small bank should be run, treating people fairly, with respect, compassion. For each of the last 78 years, it has been our tradition to select two of our customers and forgive their loans. So, Mr. Hamilton, on behalf of my family and the employees of this bank, I'm pleased to tell you that your outstanding equity line of $1,315.47 has been repaid for you. You do not need to make any more payments. Wow. That's really nice. Thanks. What was your name again? Jameson. Frank Jameson. And my secretary has some papers that you'll need to sign on your way out. Sure. Okay. Thanks again. It's really nice. I appreciate it. Well, you're welcome. And Mr. Neely, your mortgage balance of $246,547.50. Mr. Jameson, sorry. You must have the wrong Neely. I'm Jerry Neely. Yes, that's right. Jerry and Peggy Neely, 235 Kindlewood. <laughs> it can't be right. Not us. We've been at least six months behind in the past. We're a month behind now. I'm well aware of your payment history, Mr. Neely. And as of now, that's a non-issue. But you've got to have better customers out there than us. I just don't... Jerry... I'm giving you a fairly large gift here. If I were you, I'd take it and say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I don't know what to say. Enjoy your house. And tell all your friends to leave their accounts here. Oh, I will. I'll tell everybody this is the best bank anywhere. <laughs> See my secretary on the way out. You know, Mr. Jamison, you gave me and Peg a whole new life. If you ever need anything. So how you like the bank? 
Pretty awesome bank, isn't it? Probably move your stuff over there also. You know, but this is exactly, let's turn in our Bibles uh, with me, if you would. Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7 and verse 36 and following. Jesus was invited to go to a priest's house, a Pharisee's house, to eat. And as he's there, he's greeted by this woman of a very sinful background. Uh, most scholars would agree that it was Mary. She was a former prostitute, had a very wicked life, but Jesus gave her a new start. And she greets Jesus and begins from the moment he walks in the door at, at Simon's house, kissing his feet, crying on his feet, and washing with her tears and her hair his feet. And as this is going on, the, the, the Pharisee is critical of Jesus, saying, you know, how could Jesus let this dirty, filthy woman of all this sin be at his feet and kiss his feet? And look what Jesus says. He turns to Simon in verse 40 and he says, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher. Two men owned a certain money lender. One owned them 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay it back, so he canceled the debts of both. Now, which one of them loved more? Simon replied, I suppose the one with the bigger debt canceled. You have, you have judged correctly, Jesus answered. Then he turned towards the woman and said, Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me water for my feet, but she wept my feet with her tears and then wiped, wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has per poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little loves little. You know, this is a very, very powerful teaching about forgiveness. And again, it's a primary teaching of the Bible. You know, I remember for many of us when we got our sins forgiven, we were like Mr. Neely. Wow. Walking on air. Just so excited about the fact that we got all of our sins forgiven. We got a new lease on life. But I want to ask you, over time, what's happened to you? Are you still as grateful that you, as you were when you first started out? You know, over time what happens is we lose our gratitude. We go ho-hum about forgiveness. Not realizing that this was a huge debt. And we're going to look at another parable that talks a lot about the amounts. But how, how much do you love God? Specifically. You know, I, I look at the Gostalums, and, and it's just evident to me they love God because they're so willing to serve in our junior high ministry. You know, you go downstairs and you see the people that are serving. you got the people in the back. you got people all throughout our church that they do so many things that you go, wow. But for some of us who live down the road, it's hard enough for us to get here on time. And as soon as we're done here, you're gone. What are you saying? Now, I know, you know, you've been forgiven of a lot of stuff. You've just forgotten and you become kind of like Simon. Oh yeah, we're going to Jesus and hear His Word and meet together and worship Him. You know, you've got to do a heart check today about forgiveness. It all starts with your gratitude for forgiveness. If you are grateful for the fact that God has canceled a huge debt, and He's put a whole new lease on life for you. You know, if you've grown up in the church, it's very hard to appreciate Forgiveness. I've been in the church 26 years. I've got to be real careful. Because it's almost like I'm now grown up in the church. I've spent the more, a better half of my life in the church than out. But you know, there's something here we've got to talk about too. Is When it comes to 
dealing with forgiveness amongst each other. And let me just say, me, I need a lot of forgiveness from people in this room. I've made a lot of mistakes as a minister. And I'm probably going to make a few more in the future. But amongst ourselves, how willing are we to extend forgiveness? And sometimes we have this misconception that, that forgiveness is an emotional issue. You've got to feel it. You've got to feel it to give it. You know, around March every year, I just love, I feel it. I, I love to sit down and do my taxes every year. Man, I just can't wait for March. I'm like, yeah, it's March. It's tax time. I get to sit down for a few hours, most of a day, and just go through number, 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 number. I love that. You know, I hate it. It's one of the most miserable things that i got to do every year. Why do I do it? Because I'm emotionally tied to it? No, you just do it. You do it because you know you need to do it. You know, how about for some of our students here, you know, final exam time. Don't you just love final exam time? You know, when you've got to turn in all your papers and it's, it's evaluation time. Don't you just love that? Those all-nighters for a whole week, sleepless, you know, and you're stressed out about the test because you know you're not prepared enough. You could have prepared more. You didn't finish and you're trying to cram it all in at the last minute. Don't you love that? Mm, love that. Do you, do you make your decisions based on feelings when it comes to final exam time? About this time of the year, I've got to sit down and write checks to the insurance company, the homeowners, car insurance. Man, I love that. Just do it with so much joy. Oh, yeah, here you go. Here's a check for... Why do you do it? Because you need to do it. Forgiveness is very much the same. If you're waiting for the emotions to follow in order for you to forgive... You may never forgive. It's not an emotional thing. It's a decision that you make. I will do this because it's right and because God does it. Another point here is forgiveness is not a feeling but a decision. And feelings get in the way of forgiveness and being forgiven. We're so feeling based in the way we go through life. And sometimes we think that when we forgive people, we're... Basically, we're, 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 condemn, we're not condemning, but we're, we're agreeing with what they did. Now, you, you can forgive somebody and not agree with what they did. Condone, that's the word I was looking for. You're condoning. If you forgive someone, you're condoning their bad acts. It has nothing to do with condoning. No, God doesn't condone sin, but He forgives it. And so they're, they're lines. And just because you forgive someone doesn't mean you have to be BFF with them for the rest of your life. For the older people in the group, it's the best of friends forever. You give forgiveness and you rebuild trust. It takes time. But the forgiveness is there. It's absolutely there. Let's look at the next passage. This one's really, really great. Matthew chapter 18. If you're visiting here, let's look on with somebody who's next to you. Matthew chapter 18 and verse 23. The parable of the unmerciful servant. They haven't made a, 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 a 21st century video yet, but once we get it, we'll, we'll put it up for you. So just you're going to have to do it Jesus style and visualize, okay? Visualize what this was like. And we'll begin in verse in verse 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle his accounts with his servants. Anytime Jesus says the kingdom of God is like, means this is a teachable moment about this is a life lesson. In verse 24. As he began to settle, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. 
The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, a fraction of the amount. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servants, his fellow servant fell on his knees and begged him, be patient with me, I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servants in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all your debt, all the debt of yours, because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have been had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned to him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay back what he owed. And then Jesus says here, listen to this. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from the heart. You think forgiveness is a big deal? Jesus took a lot of time to focus on it. Let's put this in perspective. The the, the first servant, he had a debt of 10,000 talents. You know what the equivalent of that would be today? A billion dollars. B with a bill. With a, with, a, with a billion. Got it? That's a big number. Could you accumulate a billion dollars in debt? Man, that would take work. A billion dollars. And Jesus is putting it way up there because it's basically a debt so high you could never pay it back in your lifetime. Now, what's the parallel? Parable, parallel. He's talking about his followers. He's talking about us. God and us. God is the king. How big was your debt? How big is your debt? Before God. Well, it's not a billion dollars. Oh, really? Let's put things in perspective. You've done so much stuff in your lifetime, there's not enough good works on this planet. If you could be a hundred places at one time and serve the poor, help the homeless, heal the sick, do all these kinds of deals, you could never do enough good deeds to pay back what you've done. It took the, it took the cross of Jesus to pay your debt. A billion dollars. That's us. That's me. I could never pay that back. He didn't even ask for forgiveness of a billion. What did he ask the master? He just give me time. I'll try my best. Have mercy on me. I'll pay you back. What did the king give him? What he didn't ask for. That's how good God is. He'll give you even more than you ask for. That's how good he is. He's willing to give you more than you ask for. But what happens to him when he turns around and denarii? You know, it was a piddly debt. hundred dollars maybe. How do you compare a hundred dollars with a billion? What, what's that? And he goes to his fellow servant. What's, what is he talking about? Fellow servant. Brother or sister, like us, in the church. Or a co-worker. Or a neighbor. You mean you've been forgiven of a billion dollars and you're not willing to forgive someone in here? Of something piddly that's like, it's a hundred dollars or a sin? They offended you? They made a mistake? And you won't forgive them? This is a story of an ugly heart. And sometimes this issue kind of reveals who we are and and how we are. You know, and to think about it. The servants revealed his, his, his fellow 
servants ugly, and he put the money above the relationship. Why did the master forgive him of all that money? The billion dollars. Why did God forgive you of all your sins? Why? Because he considers the relationship more important than the sins. God considers your relationship with Him more important than nitpicking the issues and the offenses. He cares more about being close to you than anything else. That's how badly He wants you. But you're going to sit back and you're going to go, well, well, let me think about it. If I want to become a Christian. Let me think about if I want to give my life to God. Really? You have no idea of your debt. What you owe. And the saddest thing that could ever face a person is when they die and they're faced with the reality that they never got forgiven. God's willing to offer forgiveness to everyone. But you must stretch out your hand. You must humble out and you must ask, God, forgive me. And then what's he expect from us with how we treat each other in here? To be merciful. To be forgiving with each other. You know, one of the things that the church should be known for is forgiveness. Somebody walks in that door, what do they need? What's their primary need? Forgiveness. What do we need? What do I need? What do you need? Forgiveness. It needs to be our strength as a church. If we're going to be Jesus' church, it needs to be our strength. What did Jesus give people? What, would, what, what made sinful people come to Him? Forgiveness. And i got to confess, over the years, it hasn't been our strength. It's our responsibility to change it. We've erred on the side of judgment. And people have hurt over that. And so this summer, from here forward, and this year, we want to make a transformation in our church. We want to rebuild God's house. It's more than a name change. Much more than a name change. It needs to be a heart change. It needs to be a mind change. We need to be a people that are experts, that understand, that freely give forgiveness. I'd much rather err on the side of forgiveness than on judgment. By the measure you use... It will be used against you. Whoa, that's a scary passage. That's a scary quote from Jesus. Let's be forgiving people. You know, and here's the sad thing. Forgiveness affects the people around you. You think it's just you and God? I mean, look at the, look at the parable. The other fellow servants heard about and saw, they saw the guy choking his fellow servant. They said, whoa, what is this? What is happening? What is this guy doing? And so they went and told the king. I mean, it it created a heavy environment. You know, when there's stuff going on among us here in the church that's not forgiven, not resolved, you know what it does to us? It makes us ugly. You know, in families, this couldn't be more true. The children of an unfaithful husband or wife, the children carry that lack of trust to the next generation. You know, I remember in our early times as as a married couple, Laura, in her background, her family, there was unfaithfulness in her previous family. And she had to to overcome that fear that I was going to be unfaithful. Is that fair? But it's reality. And see, it creates this damage. Sin creates damage, but when there's not reconciliation, there's not forgiveness, there's not repentance, there's not redemption, it's passed on. And if you're that second generation, if stuff was passed on to you by your parents, you've got to let that go. That was them. It shouldn't be carried on to you and your fear and, and all your emotional stuff. So often we inherit and we, we take other people's drama and we make it our own. That's not right. Unforgiveness affects those around us. Family, friends, co-workers. 
It it affected the master's reputation. Here he is extending mercy to his servant. A billion dollars. Everybody saw it. Everybody knew it. How did that make the master look that this guy turned around and wasn't merciful? It was shameful. It made the master look bad. You know, when we don't forgive, who does that reflect? It reflects God. This isn't just about you. You're an ambassador. You reflect Him. We as a church reflect Him. So let's make God look good. Let's make His grace. And you know, it's sad that, you know, we study the Bible with a lot of people. And it saddens my heart that, you know, after time, people love it. They're so grateful. They've been forgiven of sins. But after some period of time, they start to distance themselves from the church and they get choked out doing other things with their life. And they suffer the consequences. And they eventually leave the faith to face horrible consequences. You've got to guard your heart against that. If you're a member of this church, I have, a, I have a vow, I have a creed with myself. I will let nothing or no one separate me from God and His church. I don't care what someone's done to me. It doesn't excuse me walking away from God. Do not give the devil a foothold in that regard. Do not excuse yourself by someone, what somebody else did, that that's a reflection of God. You know, we're a mess, but we're forgiven. And we will forgive. And it says it right here. What does he call the servant after his judgment? You wicked servant. A lack of forgiveness is wicked. Like I talked about last week, you can be morally right, but spiritually wrong. You can justify yourself all you want. Well, I have a right to to, to draw judgment here. The Bible says it. Yeah, morally you may be right, but spiritually you're completely wrong. You're completely off base. Unforgiveness is wicked. And unforgiveness keeps you attached to the offender. How'd you like to be the roommate of your offender? How'd you like to live with that person for the rest of your life? You may not physically live with them, but guess what you're going to do? You're going to emotionally attach yourself to their sin. They've now passed it to you, and it's going to grind your heart and grind your life for all of your days. There's a word you need to learn. Boundaries. Draw the line. Forgiveness allows you to do that. It draws the boundary. No more. That was his stuff. That was her stuff. I forgive them. It will affect me no more. I'm setting myself free from this person. Ephesians chapter 4.26. We looked at this last week. If you're angry, don't sin by nursing a grudge. This is the Living Bible. Don't let the sun go down with you still angry. Get over it quickly, for when you are angry, you will give a mighty foothold to the devil. What do you do nursing a grudge? What does that mean, nursing a grudge? There are some nursing mothers here, right? When you nurse your child, you're feeding your child, your, your child gets big, the chubby cheeks, the whole thing, you know. Children get big from nursing. They get healthy. Imagine doing that with a grudge. How do we nurse a grudge? You know, we like to commiserate when we are hurting, right? Ever done that? You know, you got Drew right here, and me and Ted are talking, and, you know, I'm really mad at Drew. He really offended me, and I'm really upset about it. So what do I do? I go and tell Ted what Drew did. And so I'm talking to him, and by sharing everything that that Drew did, I'm nursing, I'm feeding my grudge. It's growing. It's getting stronger. It's getting the chubby cheeks. It's, it's, It's developing. It's getting taller, wider in every respect. And not only that, I'm infecting him. I'm telling him, so now what's he going to think about Drew? He doesn't even know Drew that well. That's what we do. And that's what we need to stop doing. Do not nurse a grudge. Let it go. If you catch yourself talking bad about someone, go to that person. It's my responsibility to go to Ted. Forgive me, Ted, for talking about him. He is not that way. 
I'm sorry for infecting your heart in that way. It's boundaries. And get over it quickly. Don't carry stuff around. You know, we looked at it last week. All the health effects from a lack of forgiveness. It's the same stress level as, you know, when we are under stress and worry. It has the same physical effect on us. Isaiah 43 and verse 25. Look at, look at God's heart. I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remember your sins no more. Who does God forgive sins for? For himself. Who should, who should you forgive your sins for? For yourself. Because you're detaching yourself from it. You're saying, I'm not going to let the person's offense ruin my life. I'm detaching myself. And God forgives sin because He doesn't want any attachment to it. For His own sake. Forgiveness is for our own sake. And there's two things that we don't, we're not created to handle well. One is worry. We don't process worry well. And that's why we need God to trust Him, to manage worry and stress. Let Him handle it. Put your trust in God. And number two, unforgiveness. We don't manage. They have similar physical effects on our bodies. When you're under stress, ever notice how it gets hot in the room? Right? When you're unforgiven, same effect. You can't sleep. It tortures you. It torments you. How important is forgiveness? We're going to draw this to a close. It affects our relationships. It affects our happiness and health. It affects our faith, our trust in God. It affects our prayers. We can't pray clearly when we have something or we're not forgiven of something. And guess what else it affects? How'd you like to live in the United States of America and be imprisoned? You can't go where you want. You can't do what you want. You are not free. That is the person that is not living a life in forgiveness. And it's a tragedy when God offers it so freely to all of us. What's one of God's greatest characteristics? Psalm 103, verse 2 through 5. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits, remembering how good He is, who forgives all your sins. Not one, not two, not when you were younger. All of your sins. And heals you of all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit. Remember the pit? I remember the pit. And crowns you with love and compassion who satisfies your desires with good things. You know, we spend a lot of years satisfying our desires with bad things. Remember? All those things we did to try to make ourselves feel good. And they, they just devastated us. Devastated our relationships. God wants to fill your life with good things that will not hurt you, but rather build your life so that things that go well, your youth is renewed like the eagles. And then Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 and 14. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. All of them. Having canceled the written code and its regulations, what was against us and that has stood opposed to us, He took it away. He took it away by nailing it to the cross. You know what they did when they nailed people to the cross in the first century? They put the list of sins and they nailed the, what, what the sins were on top of the cross. What did they put on Jesus' cross? Anybody remember? King of the Jews. That was His crime. God's taken your sins... And he's nailed it to the top of Jesus' cross. That's what you did. That's what you've done. And Jesus is taking full responsibility for it. Forgive yourself. Hebrews chapter 12. This is huge. And we'll close out here. See to it that no one misses the grace of God. And that no bitter root grows up and causes trouble and defiles many. You know, a lack of forgiveness in your own life, not feeling forgiven, not forgiving yourself for what you have done, can create bitterness, can create resentment, 
can create a lot of messy situations. You know, there are troubled people in this world. And one of the reasons why they're so troubled is because they can't forgive themselves. A week doesn't go by, you hear about somebody who commits suicide or overdoses in some fashion. People that are young, people that are successful, they had everything in front of them. And they took their life. And what this is one of the re- main reasons is they never had an opportunity to experience and encounter the forgiveness of God. What a blessing that we're here today. That we get to understand this. That we get to have this. You can start your marriage over. You can start your life over. You can start your family over. You can begin brand new and start a new life with forgiveness. So I want to encourage you, if there's anything in there that you have, let it go. And to conclude, faith in action. I want you to encourage you to extend God's forgiveness for others. Well, i got to talk to them first. Well, what if you can't get a hold of them? Are you ready to forgive them anyway? Just give it. Just be, have God's predisposition. I'm ready to forgive. I'm ready and willing to forgive right now. You don't even have to say anything. I just want to be like Him. Abundant in mercy. And make it our personal conviction to, to be a forgiving follower of Christ. And don't allow, don't allow past emotions to affect decisions that, you have, that you've made to forgive. And number four, make sure that no one misses the grace of God. That means you. And we need to make sure that in our fellowship that we take care of each other and we make sure that no one misses the grace of God. That you don't give it and you don't accept it. And then lastly, let's rebuild this house. You know, we call ourselves the Lighthouse Church of Christ. Let's rebuild this house on a foundation of forgiveness. That we will extend it and we will give it. And that we'll be a place of forgiveness for our friends and our neighbors, of righteousness, meaning we will teach and learn how to have boundaries and how to do things right, how to treat each other right, how to have right relationships. And then, great relationships. We read this passage, but before we take the communion, are you ready for forgiveness? If you're a member of this church and you're in Christ, this is the time that we take every week to celebrate the communion. It's to remember what Jesus did for us. We're going to take Some grape juice, which symbolizes the blood that Jesus poured out. And we're going to take some bread. And when you break it, it symbolizes that Jesus' body was broken for your sins. It's a time of reflection for us. So that we reflect on this past week. How did you do? Is there anything that's not resolved? Is there things that you need forgiveness for? Every week I come to this time, me personally, needing forgiveness. I'm so grateful that we have communion regularly. Because I need forgiveness regularly. Are you ready for forgiveness today? And if you are not aware, I'd encourage you to hold off and learn more so that you can really celebrate the communion in a right way that pleases God. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, we thank You for Jesus. Thank You for the forgiveness that He...